You're listening to the Justin C. Gleason Podcast. Please press follow and become a loyal listener. Select a five-star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. Thank you for listening, sharing, and your generosity. Обстоятельства требуют от нас решительных и незамедлительных действий. Народные республики Донбасса обратились к России с просьбой о помощи. В связи с этим... Потом покажу осколки. Так, давай. Ситуація на Щасинському напрямку продовжує зберігати свою напруженість. Противник з початку доби вже декілька разів обстріляв населений пункт Щастя та його околиці з використанням заборонної міськими домовленостями. The spirit of war is in the earth. It's actually been brewing for quite a while. They want war. These liberal maniacs have been beating the war drums for a long time. And here we are. Russia has suddenly, suddenly, swiftly invaded Ukraine with still more ground to cover. Hmm. I know what a lot of you are thinking. How did this happen? I mean, it like came out of nowhere. Sure did. It's very similar to COVID-19. It seemed like it just appeared out of nowhere and just boom. All over the earth. Quickly. Suddenly. Swiftly. No way that's a coincidence. No way that is just a... Simple, natural occurrence. Oh, no. You better believe it. The spirit world is behind this. You're probably not going to get a whole lot of prophecy concerning a lot of these end-time signs that we're seeing. You know why? Jesus already said it's going to happen. Get used to it. Luke 21. I preached from it a lot over the pulpit and on this podcast in the year 2020 and early 2021. And I want to remind you about it again. Jesus said, you are going to see wars. You're going to hear about war rumors. There's going to be commotion. There's going to be nations rising against other nations. You will see pestilence. You will see earthquakes. And you will see famines. And people have read that, heard that, and mocked it. And they say these things have always happened and God has never come back. God's been coming back supposedly for years. That's true. There's always been some kind of wars. Nation rising against nation. We've had outbreak of horrible, horrible plagues. 
But the issue here is when these things all start happening at the exact same time. Look on your favorite news source. You know what you're going to see? War, commotion, conflict of nations, sickness, some type of catastrophe, famines here and there. All on one news page. (coughs) All in one news hour. On the TV, on the radio, on a podcast, wherever. Anywhere there's news. They're going to be covering those things. It's all happening at the same time all over the earth. You know what Jesus said when you see these things? Don't for one minute believe that it's the end. He said, oh no, the end is not near. It's not now. It's not sudden. These things are just the beginning of sorrows. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure are. I'm seeing a lot of people squeezing this incident into Bible prophecy. I have yet to find another Bible prophecy teacher that completely agrees with me. I've yet to find a, I've just yet to meet him. No Bible prophecy teacher agrees on everything. We all have different ideas, different insights. I don't see really Russia in Bible prophecy. I don't really interpret the great beast that Daniel saw, the bear that raised up on one side to be Russia. I actually think that's the Medes and the Persian Empire that's already come and gone. But one day all those beasts will unite and become one. Just like Nebuchadnezzar saw one large statue, all those nations that were once separated, one after the other, they're all going to unite into one image. Daniel saw four separate beasts. Then John saw all of those beasts together. They're all going to reunite the Babylonian Empire, Persian Empire, the Greeks and the Romans, all uniting against the elect of Israel. That's what's going to happen at the end of times. The only place really I see Russia, America, a lot of the nations, is in Luke 21 when Jesus said nation is going to rise against nation. What's going on right now is included in that. It's in Bible prophecy, and that's really all you need to know and all you really need to understand. But I feel like I've been given some insight into this situation. You value my opinion, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this. I've kept my eye on Vladimir Putin. I don't know, for maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 years I've watched him. He's always really interested me. I I feel a lot of times when I see him in the news, I've been misled. And he's been mischaracterized. Yes, of course, he's Russian. Yes, Russia has done horrible things. And they've done horrible things to Ukraine. Stalin nearly starved them all to death. Right? We all know this. But did you know that Putin, several years ago, he reconstituted religious studies in Russian public schools? Sure did. He didn't want to have an atheistic atheistic school system. He put it back in there. Study religions in the public schools. They did, especially Christianity. He really got my attention when he mocked climate change. Called it a hoax. Remember that? (laughs) You know what? He opposes abortion. That's big. 
Putin is not a communist. Not at all. If he wanted to be, he would have been it by now. But don't you remember him lecturing Obama about the evils of socialism? Remember that? That caught my attention. I think Putin has led in a way a lot like Trump. Putin refuses to bow to globalism. And I like this. Putin's a nationalist. Nationalism really is a force of good in all the earth if the nation will take care of itself. You think about all of these things, it's no wonder the left absolutely hates Putin, has hated Putin, really has wanted a war with him for a long, long time. But right now he's looking really bad. I mean, it's inexcusable what's going on. I don't know how else to put it. What do you think about this invasion? What do you think about Putin and Russia invading Ukraine? What do you think about it? Think about it. Turn off the news. Don't go off what I'm saying. What do you think and feel about it? If you know anything about Putin's history, he has wanted to restore that old USSR territory, especially Ukraine. He has wanted to go back before all the borders were drawn up in the, in the uh, early 90s. He wants all that territory. He's wanted all that territory. Is Russia an evil nation? Well, they've done a lot of evil things, sure. Is, Ru- <laughs> Is Putin a force of good in all the earth? He's not perfect. I can just say that. But I've really been asking myself, is this invasion lawful? Is it right? Are there grounds for this? Well, I don't think it really was provoked. I've been thinking about this now. I'm I'm recording now on uh, Thursday evening on February 24th, and this will be published on Friday the 25th. I have been paying attention to this news story off and on all day, but after church last night, I came home, turned on the news, and was watching the invasion began. I could see bombs, the lights of bombs and the sounds of it going off. And I could tell just through the news people's tone of voice, the terror that was even coming through them. I really didn't take this whole uh, Russia and Ukraine thing seriously. I didn't. I knew they were setting up uh, military stations here and there. I thought perhaps they were just going to go in and take the territory that the separatists had set up. That's really all I thought was going to happen. But it turns out they're invading from just about every direction and getting their claws deep, deep into the Ukrainian territory in just a matter of about 24 hours now. And I've been asking myself all day and praying to God, Lord, is this lawful? Is it right? You know, can, can Russia do this? You know what I keep coming back to? The phrase keeps coming into my mind. Justin, it's not your call. It's not your call. <laughs> Who made you a judge in this situation? Hmm. <clears throat> And every time that comes into my mind, I get I get speechless and I feel a peace wash over me. And I think I'm I think I'm onto something here for myself. I don't know. 
You know, I've said it before. I'm a preacher. You won't hear me talk about politics that much. The main reason is God hasn't called me to do it. He's called so many others to do it. And I thank God for other people that have a great social media presence in the in the apostolic movement that have a good, keen sense of the political climate that we are in. And you know who you are. Keep on talking. Keep on speaking out. But I, I don't feel called to do that. Do you want a preacher? Do you want your pastor to talk about politics? No, you don't. <laughs> do you want your politicians to talk to preach to you, to talk about religion? No, you don't. You don't. I don't want to get in their way. And I've kept my words off, presidents, civil leaders. Sure, I may give an opinion here and there, but never, ever would I disrespect a leader like that. New Testament commands us to honor the king at all times. So I'm not going to get involved in it. I don't really have a whole lot to say. I wish I had some big Bible prophecy revelation to give you. I don't know, but I've just been looking at this situation actually for several months now. I've kept my eyes on it. But really where my attention goes to right now, it's not Putin, it's not Russia, it's not Ukraine or any of that. You know who it is? Our president, Joe Biden. Does the USA need to get involved in this? I've prayed for Ukraine, but can I tell you, I've been doing more praying for the United States. You know, you study history with the United States. You look at how American citizens act during a time of war. You know what we do in wartime, especially in the beginning of it. Sometimes if it gets drug out, this doesn't apply. But for the most part in the beginning... Citizens keep their mouths and opinions off the president. And for over a year now, all it's been is everybody putting their mouth on the president and their opinions on President Biden. And I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, my goodness, does Biden actually need a war to save this presidency? That's just what I think. That's what I see. That's my judgment. I think he really actually needs this war to save his presidency. That's what I'm worried about. Look at what we have against Russia right now. I see mainly two things right now on social media. Yes, we've given the Ukrainians weapons. That's there, okay? But that's, you know, we, we do that a lot for other nations. That's been going on for a long time. Scratch that out. What else do we have? Two things I see. Sanctions and hashtags. That's it. Sanctions and hashtags. And I'm looking at this. It doesn't matter what I think or what I say. It looks to me like Russia has won. It looks to me like nothing's going to stop them. And whether they can keep it or not, that's debatable. That's yet to be seen. But I'm telling you, as COVID-19 just swept across the world, those Russian tanks, those soldiers, they have just swept across Ukraine. And they're continuing to sweep. Mm. I can't say I'm worried about it. We all kind of knew that it was coming. Came kind of quick out of nowhere. But i tell you what I am worried about. And that is the domino effect of one nation rising against another. 
Not too far from me here in Kansas City is the Federal World War I Museum. If you're ever in Kansas City, you've got to tour it. It's fascinating. Beautiful museum. The history is just so intriguing. So many wars throughout history have been fought over territory, fought over boundaries, over wealth, over this, that, and the other. You know what World War I was fought over? The egos and the pomp and the circumstance of Eastern European monarchs. That's what it was all about, and the whole world changed after that war. It was a domino effect. This monarch here from, from, from Hungary got offended at what some other dude uh, didn't say to him or said to him, and all of a sudden just boom, a war happened, and then this nation rose up against this nation and just war after war after war. Every nation that had any beef with another nation just went to war with it. And I sensed the same pattern trying to arise from the forces of darkness in the spirit world. For the past several months, I have felt like something has been wrong. I told Sister G about it, my dad about it, a few of my close friends. I'm like, I feel like something's wrong. And I thought, is it something in my personal life? Actually, my personal life is great. God has blessed me. I think I figured it out. It's the spirit of war. Went back and looked in my journal. Right around the week of Thanksgiving, I wrote it down. Something is wrong. Something else is coming. It's time for something else to come. COVID-19 is really starting to fade. And what's rising now? War, rumors of war, and commotion. Oh, my God. What I'm worried about the most is a domino effect. Russia's going to invade Ukraine. And no telling what else. Europe, get your act together. All these nations that are close, you've got to get your act together right now. What's next? China. China's probably the real problem here. Who are they going to invade? Probably Taiwan. Probably Taiwan. And North Korea. What are they going to do? Invade South Korea. What's Iran going to do? Invade Israel. Massive war all over. Nations rising against nations. Oh, my God. Ukraine didn't appear ready for this. I don't know if anybody was ready for this, but Russia was ready for this. They've been wanting this for a long time. If you're in Ukraine right now, I know we've got missionaries over there. God bless you, son. I heard some of you are staying. Mm. May the Lord bless you, keep you, and give you revival in this time. When, I, when I've prayed for Ukraine, you know what I hear in my voice? The sound of Ukrainian prayers. Like I can hear them praying in, my, in the audible ears of my mind. There is some serious prayer going on in that nation. And let me tell you what, God is listening to you. I don't know what all God is going to do for you, but I know this. He is hearing your prayers. And it may not seem like right now or tomorrow, but God is going to answer them, Ukraine. God is going to answer them. In Jesus' name. If you're listening to this, think about what Jesus said. When you see 
your walls, your cities surrounded with the enemies, it's time to run. You better hope your flight is not during winter. And you better hope that you don't have small children. Oh, my God. It may be time to head west. It may be time to do that. It's a sudden invasion, a sudden pandemic. But you know what else will be summoned? The coming of the Lord. Whether you're ready or not for a Russian invasion, whether you're ready or not for a pandemic, one thing you better be ready for is the invasion of God when he comes back to take away his people. You want Bible prophecy? Here's a word for you. Be ready. The signs are all around. Guys, girls, get off the porn. All of you, flush your drugs down the toilet. You're fornicating with that boyfriend or girlfriend. It's time to break up. You've gone days and weeks and months without praying and reading your Bible. It is time to put down the entertainment. It is time to put down your fun. And it's time to get your nose into the word of God. And time to get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. God's coming back. It's not going to get better. It is only going to get worse. And the only hope you and I have is the hope that Jesus promised us in heaven. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Today is a very special day in the history of the Justin C. Gleason podcast. This is our 100th episode. That's right, episode 100. How about that? Congratulations to you. Congratulations to me. Thank you for all of you who have been a loyal listener ever since the beginning. And to all of you who have joined us since our beginning. I know many of you have gone back and listened to all those episodes, get caught up. Whether you joined us in January of 2020 or this is your first episode, welcome to the family. We're glad you're here. 100 episodes, that's huge, it's big. Took two years to get here, and here we are. And it feels good to be in the three digits. I feel like I've really accomplished something. (laughs) And uh, I just thank God for giving me ideas and word. You know, in 20... A little bit in 27, but mostly 2018, I had this notebook. And I was writing things in it. And after I would write it, I would look down and I thought, why am I writing this? I'm never going to say this. I will never preach this. Why is this in here? And I didn't realize what I was writing was not nothing for the pulpit, but rather for a podcast. And it took me a while to realize that. And I've still got that notebook. and. Little by little, I've been picking apart a lot of those ideas that I wrote down to bring to this platform, to this type of format. And some of the ideas I'm about to present to you were some of those original ideas. This idea is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter number four. And I want to entitle it, Getting 100 from the Sower. 
getting a 100 from the sower. Mark chapter 4, and begin reading at verse number 14. The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately to take the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation, tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, entering in and choke out the word and become unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some one hundred. For me, in reading the Bible, when I thought of parables, before I really got into Scripture, before I really got into ministry and study, for me, parables were kind of, kind of like Proverbs. They were kind of ruined for me by what I perceived them to be, basically what Christian bookstores and Hobby Lobby and all of these other stores made the parables and proverbs out to be you know they covered them with like autumn looking flowers and and birds and lambs and it just kind of ruined for me they it didn't look macho right <laughs> and so the parables to me and proverbs to me psychologically seem to be kind of weak you know you look at these these books about the parables and you got some victorian looking woman on it with a, a big dress and uh like an umbrella you know, walking uh, along the side of a pond, <laughs> just looking at the water. And when, it, when in all reality, the Proverbs were written for dudes. <laughs> Most of the Proverbs are written for dudes. And, and the parables were spoken to primarily a male audience, Jesus' disciples. And if you're not careful, dudes, you can uh, fall into the same temptation as me and not pay attention to them. But there is depth and insight that we need nowadays for men to arise up and to become strong and faithful, loyal men. To God, their pastor, their church, the saints, to their wife, to their children, to their parents, to everybody. And a lot of the principles in your walk with God can be found in the parables. And this parable of the sower, it's really the foundational parable. Jesus said of this parable, if you can't get this parable, you can't get any of them. If you're having a hard time understanding parables, ask yourself, do I get the parable of the sower? Do I understand that? Have I seen that in my life? Have I seen that in this world? And if you can get that, you can start deciphering and breaking the code, the parable codes of all the rest of them that Jesus taught. Talked about a sower sowing seed. And the seed fell on four places. Some by the wayside, some amongst the stones, some amongst thorns, and then some fell on good ground. The seed that fell by the wayside, it's symbolic of a spiritual thing. This is when 
uh, there's preaching and Satan comes and, dis- and steals that seed out. It's like what happened to, to, to Adam and Eve after God gave them the word about the garden and the, and the tree and all that. The serpent comes and lies, deceives, uh, tricks the emotions, confuses the intellect, questions God. That is what Satan does. Sometimes, have you ever wondered why sometimes after church you get in your car and all of a sudden you start doubting everything that you felt and received in church? By the time you get home, you think, I didn't have good church today. I didn't feel anything out of that. I can't do it. You know what's going on there? Some of that seed fell by the wayside, and Satan's trying to pluck it up like a bird. Sure has. God talks to me in birds. (laughs) You laugh. I'm not kidding. I have seen birds do strange things as signs to me. Let me give you an example. In the beginning of the lockdown, when I thought this is the end of the world, the end is now save yourselves. You know, worried about my wife and my kids and everything. And, you know, we're stocking up all kinds of food and all kinds of toilet paper and ammo and all, all of this stuff. In the middle of it all, God says to me, go outside. And when I did, I walked out and saw it looked like a thousand, probably even five thousand. Birds. It was at the church. Birds there on the grass. And they were all eating, chowing down. Some of them had enormous worms hanging out of their mouth. (laughs) And God said, none of them have businesses. None of them have jobs. None of them have barns. None of them really have houses. And look, they're not hungry. And if I'll take care of them, I'll take care of you. Feel conviction. Yeah. And I've also seen other things with birds. Sometimes when I preach, I'll walk outside, and you know what? I'll see birds right there eating seed. Right out, right, right, right out in front of the church front door. And I realize, you know what? Not everybody got the word today. Not everybody got it. And Satan's out trying to destroy it. And I come against it, pray against it. And on my way home, I'll do spiritual warfare for the for the listeners. That's just how God talks to me. But Satan does this. He steals the word. But then other times, Satan doesn't have to do with anything. He's got other things that are working in his favor, and that is stones and thorns. The stones represent the seeds that, that, that fall down and they're not able to take root. It represents life's troubles. People hear the word, they love it, they obey it, but then some trouble comes their way. Things don't work out for them, and then all of a sudden, God is no longer real. God is no longer there. God no longer cares. <laughs> if God was really there, if he really loved me, then I would be a millionaire, right? And they just give up because of troubles. You know, then you have the people that falls among thorns. All of a sudden, their life becomes good and blessed, and they realize, you know what? I don't need God anymore. I've seen this happen. You know, maybe... Uh, uh, a, a guy will come in, you know, he, he grew up in church, but he got out of church when he was about 18, fell in love with some girl at school. They got married when they were both 18, 19 years old, and everything's going good, everything's going great, but about seven years into the marriage, all of a sudden, uh, there's a loss of job, and then there's a little adultery here, and then this, and then that, and they're, the guy's like, we got to get to church, and he drags that wife into church. She don't want to be there. But he drags her in there. He prays through. She's sitting in the back wondering what is going on. 
And then all the women start loving on her, and they start teaching her Bible study, and then she gets gloriously, radically saved. And in, in, in about six or seven months, they're both doing great. Saved, sanctified, marriages restored. And it takes only about, I don't know, five to seven months, the guy looks around and says, you know what? God has healed my life. He's healed my marriage. I'm good now. I can go back to the world. <laughs> yeah. That story, I have seen that happen more than once. The seed fell among the thorns. Life's enjoyments choked out the word, choked out the things of God. And to them, the enjoyments of life were so much better than the word. Yeah, seed is not growing in the enjoyments. Seed is not growing in your troubles. And seed is definitely not going where Satan is. You know where seed grows? The word of God, good ground. That's really where I'm focusing on today. How do you get that seed, that word that's been preached to you, what you have read, what you have heard, how do you get it to grow? Jesus said when, it, when that seed hits the good soil, it's going to yield fruit. And he picked three quantities of fruit, 30, 60, and 100. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. You think about that. When God's word goes out, some people get 30 of it, some people get 60 of it, and some people get 100. And the reason why this works is just simply because of the condition of the soil. Some soil is better than others. Some soil has better sunlight, some has better water, some has better drainage, some has a better position where it's not competing with other plants, whatever. And I believe God is happy with a 30. And I believe God is happy with a 60, and I think you should too. But I'm of the idea, and something I felt for myself back in 2018, I wrote this down. Why have 30 when I can have 100? (laughs) Why have 60 when I can have 100? And I don't know, I just got a revelation of this insight. And I tell you where I really got it. I was preaching a healing-focused service one time, and several people came up to get healed. I prayed for one lady who had excruciating pain in her body, from like the top of her head to the sole of her feet, just lived in chronic pain, prayed for her, pain left, boom, gone. The spine straightened, the nerves straightened, everything straightened. She gave up all of her painkillers, all of her drugs, got healed. Totally by the power of God. But in that same service, you know who is there? A man who had pretty much the same amount of pain. I prayed for him and he said, I feel a little bit better. Some of the pain is gone. And to this day, that man, it's never been as bad, but still some of the pain is there. You know what I think happened? That man got a 30. He got a little bit of a healing. But that woman... Got a 100. I preached that day about healing. I preached that day about Jesus as the great physician. I preached that day by his stripes we are healed. All of those things. And that word went out, and there were two people in there that were ready for some good soil. 
Their hearts are ready to receive. They receive the word, but one got 30 and the other got 100. And I just feel to tell somebody, you need to get more than just 30 with God's word lately. You need to be getting more than 60. Because I just feel it in the air right now. You know, pastors are getting more bolder in their preaching nowadays. A lot of us, we, you know, we'll never go back to normal. The normal and pre-COVID, whatever, it's come and gone. And we've had to readjust and do this and that and the other. But a lot of us have just, our minds have changed. We realize a lot of our American way of life has been taken from us. Some of us still got to wear the stupid masks to keep our job. But those restrictions, thankfully, are going away soon. Some of us lost our companies because we complied with the lockdown. Some of us had to take vaccines and medications that we didn't want to, that we didn't need, that we didn't feel like we had any business in against our will. But to keep our jobs, we got the vaccines, and now it's looking like those, va- those restrictions may go away. I mean, all of those things, the American blessed great way of life has been taken from so many people. You know what? We're just having to deal with it. Just deal with it and go on and focus on what is good and what you can control and what is possible for yourself. And then, of course, cling to what is impossible with God. And preachers are starting to preach healing again and starting to preach deliverance again and starting to preach faith again. I feel it. And everything right now in the political climate, I just sense a surge a revival coming to the apostolic church. And a lot of good word is going out. And it's available here and there and everywhere. And what I want to know is, are you going to get a 100 out of it? Or are you just content to have a 30? you just content to have a 60? I want a 100. If the preacher is preaching it, I want to get it. If he's up there talking about healing, I want to have a 100 healing. If he's up there talking about financial blessing because you're in partnership with God and you're tithing offering, I want a 100 blessing, don't you? Mm. The preacher brings in somebody to talk about marriage and talk about family, and they're up there talking about all the mental illness that's going on in the world and all of the divorce that's happening and all of the suicide and this or that. And that marriage therapist or that that licensed counselor, and thank God for all of them, they're up there teaching and talking about it. You know what I want? A 100 of what they say. When it comes to having a sound mind, I don't want to have a 30 from the Word of God. I want to have a 100 from the Word of God. I think some of you are getting what I am saying. You've been happy just with 30 and 60 for too long. It is time to get a 100 from the Word of God from your Bible, from what you hear from the pulpit, from what you hear from your youth services, from your conferences, your small groups, or whatever, whenever it's being preached, whenever it's being taught. And you want to start getting a 100 from the voice of the Spirit, from the dreams you have, the visions you have, the prophecy you've experienced, tongues, interpretation, all of that. It's time to start getting a 100 from all of those things because the Word is going out. God is always throwing seed. That's right. He's instant in season and out of season. The fields are already ready to go. He's always sowing. There is no season of growth and then season of get. It's always time. The harvest is always ready to go. The seeds are always going every time. 
Every day and every way, the seeds from the Spirit and from the Word are going out. They sure are. I want to give you some insights, some tips that I feel on how to get a 100. Things that I have been doing now, coming up on four years to try to get a 100. You need to be reading your Bible. You need to be reading your Bible. I'll say it again. You need to be reading your Bible. Not you should. You need. Even deeper than that, you must read your Bible. What else are you going to cling to during dark times? What else are you going to cling to when the whole world is going to H-E-L-L? Cling to your Bible. Read it. You want to start getting a 100 from God? Take your Bible seriously. Read it. You know where you can start? Show some respect and attention whenever the preacher reads the word. It's always at the pleasure of the preacher. A lot of preachers like to have everybody stand for the reading of the word of God. Sometimes I do that. More often than not, I don't. I don't. I've just done my own consensus. When everybody stands, yes, it's a, a, a human gesture of showing respect, and we should respect the word. But let me tell you this. When I read the Bible at home, I don't stand. I sit. Am I showing disrespect? <laughs> During the message, the preacher's chances are he's probably going to quote some other scriptures. Does everybody stand when he starts quoting scripture? No. So I, I get it, but it's not absolutely lawful and necessary. I'll tell you this, I've just done my own consensus. It seems to me like when people are allowed to remain seated, they seem to be more engaged into listening to the Word of God. You know, they're, they've been up on their feet during worship, then you tell them to sit down for the offering, and then you have the choir singing, and only maybe 20% get up and, you know, juke and jive with the choir, and then the pastor gets up and says, all right, let's all stand. And everybody's like, ugh. I don't know. To me, it, may, it, it kind of feels like the Word of God is something to be endured in that moment. So I usually have them seated. But it doesn't matter whether we stand or sit. I engage my brain into the reading of the Word of God. I tune everything out. I can't stand it when somebody comes up to me right when the Word of God is being preached and wants to uh, ask me a question like, uh, do I, where do I take my kid to Sunday school? Where do I, what's going on? You know, hey, you know. I'm just like, come on, the reading of the Word of God is happening. Shut up. But I'm, I'm not going to say that. But I'll say it here because it's just us on this podcast. But I like to focus. I think the reading of the Word is great. God wants to talk through the Scriptures. Start taking it seriously, and you'll start getting a 100 in church. Mm. In your personal time, read your Bible every day. You notice I didn't say Study. Study is boring. <laughs> study is for nerds. Now, if you're a nerd, keep on studying. Keep on doing that. But for the most part, most of us are not nerds. We're just normal guys and girls that we got, we got C's in school, and, and you know, here we are. We didn't turn out so bad, right? Don't study the Bible. I gave up studying it a long time ago. I study for sermons. That's it. But I don't study for my own personal relationship with God. You know what I do? Just read it. And when I gave up studying and started reading it, my knowledge and experience in the Word of God went to a totally new level. Just started reading it. And I read it a lot. And I learned a lot. And it talks to me. That's what God intended it for it to be. Read it. Read it, read it, read it. 
Something else you can do to get a 100 out of your out of your Bible, the scripture, start taking notes with it. Uh, some of you are into writing in your Bible. They make these really nice journaling Bibles. Uh, actually, I have a wide margin right here right now, a Zondervan wide, wide margin. It's kind of a rare Bible. and make a lot of them. But I wanted to try it out. I never had a large or a wide margin, and uh, I really don't like it, to be honest with you. I quit writing in it. And and the font is so small, but you know, you know, I just I believe in getting a Bible and use it and wear it out, then retire it on the shelf and get another one. That's just kind of the way I am. But I think I'm about to get a new Bible. I, I miss that that nice leather of like a Cambridge or something like that. I know they make a lot of nice new Bibles. I don't know what I'm gonna get a a, a goat skin, an ostrich skin, something like that. Black leather with red gilt edges. I've never had a red gilt edge Bible. I think I want one of those. But do you buy your Bible to write in it or read it? <laughs> That's kind of how I talk to myself. Just very straightforward with myself. And I don't think I buy a Bible to write in it. I buy it in it to read it. A lot of my notes now are taken digitally. Some of it's still handwritten with pen and paper. But I've gone to a digital format because it's faster. And it's easier for me to get quick access to information that I've created for myself. So I, I type it in my phone, then sometimes I'll upload it to my laptop and just keep it in a database. I, I group things up mainly into three categories. I have uh, reference notes, references for scriptures, insight that I find for references. You know, like today I was going through there exactly why Paul held the coats of those who stoned uh, Stephen. I got some great insight. You know, I'm not going to stick that in, in my Bible. I'm going to write that down somewhere in my own little scripture reference commentary notes that I've made for myself. I then keep a subject folder, subjects like Bible prophecy and uh, angels and dreams and fastings and all of those things. And then an idea folder, basically just ideas like this right now, what we're talking about, how to get a 100 from the sower. That's not a, a reference really so much. It's not really a... Um, a, really a subject so much, but it's more of an idea. I keep that. In doing that, it has helped me to gain 100s from the Word of God. Another thing, whenever you read the Word, whenever it's being read to you, focus on the growth and increase content of the Word of God. A lot of the Bible is meant to convict you. A lot of it is meant to direct you. You need to focus on those things, but when it comes to getting a 100, focus on the things that produce growth from the Word of God. Scriptures, passages, stories that are meant to build you up, meant to take you from a small place to a greater place. All the teachings of Jesus are like this. Jesus said, if you, take, if you heed my word, you're like a guy. We built this house on a big foundation, and when the rains and all that came, he stood. Those are the things you want to really focus on. Focus on all of it, but really focus on that to get the 100. And then lastly, when's the last time you've been a part of a Bible club if you've ever done it? I'm telling you, I know that sounds kind of geeky and nerdy, but a Bible club, I think they're great. Pick a book of the Bible, pick a passage or whatever, and say, we're all going to read this, and then in a week, we're all going to get together and drink coffee and talk about it. Your Bible intellect will go to another level. Do it, youth group. Do it, hyphen group. Do it, whatever group you are. Do it. 
I'm, t- I'm telling you, it works. I've been a part of them. They're awesome. Let's talk about getting a 100 from the preaching and teaching of the word. Whether it's your pastor, your youth pastor, it could even be your your choir director, whoever, your Sunday school teacher, whoever is up there teaching and preaching away, this podcast, anything. Follow these principles and you'll go from 30 to 60 to 100. Everything that is said, everything that is preached, everything that is prophesied, it's going to flow and grow at a 100, a fast pace in your life. Okay? Uh, if you feel like you're not getting a lot out of your church, chances are, I guarantee it, your tithing is a disaster. So as, as just how it works. You don't tithe, you're not ever going to feel a connection to your church. Giving knits your heart to something. Why do you think we give presents at birthdays for family? Put you, it, it knits your heart together. Guys, why do you think you buy that girl a nice gift? You do it because it just naturally wins affection. Start giving to your church. Give to your preacher. You need to give more to your church. Start doing that, you're going to go uh, to 100 very quickly. That's right. Some of you dads are wondering why your kids are backsliding. You don't tithe. <laughs> How do you expect for things to grow in your family if you're not tithing? Simple as that. Simple as that. Teenagers, some of you are struggling probably because your parents are robbing God. Pray God gives your parents the revelation. In Jesus' name. Uh, give your par- your pastor good feedback during his message. Those amens, those yeses, those come ons, it produces a 100 inside of you. Get with the preacher. You get with him, you'll get what he has. You'll get his sermon. You'll get the word. And afterwards, be sure to compliment him. Send him an email. Send him a text. Send him a DM. When's the last time you DM'd your pastor? Say, that word really blessed me. Believe me, preachers need that, and they'll know who compliments them. (laughs) And when the time comes when you really need something, your pastor's going to be there for you. That's how it works. Uh, Get in agreement with what is preached. Don't be like, "Eh, I don't know about that, or "Eh, I disagree. The more you go, "Eh," the more no, you say, no 100s. Agreement is the most powerful thing you can have. Submission is great, but something deeper than submission is agreement. Just get into agreement. I used to be critical of other preachers. In some ways, I still am. But it's not like critiquing them like, oh, is he good or bad? But rather, I I analyze what they're saying and try to learn from it and dissect it. But for the most part, I have found if I will just agree with the man of God, I will agree with him and tell myself, no, he's not wrong. You're wrong. You get in agreement with him. When I do that, you can't do that with all of them. You can't do that with a false prophet, a false in that, but no. Somebody of high quality. You know what I'm talking about. A leader among the people. Yeah, get in agreement. You'll start getting 100s. Uh, take notes. You're not going to remember everything. Take some notes. I used to do it in little journal books, scrap paper here and there. I've, just, I've quit all that and do it on the phone. Like I said, helps me access it. It helps me get get it done faster. It's just the way it is. It takes out a lot of that. You know, handwritten notes just look cool. They really do. But uh, it's just kind of more practical to do a digital uh, format. Um, something else that's really important, probably the most important. You need to go to the altar and pray after the sermon. I, 
You want to frustrate a preacher, stand there, sit there, arms folded the entire sermon, don't say a thing, don't come forward for the altar call, and then after the sermon, go up and want to talk to the preacher about things he preached about. <laughs> if you don't come to the altar, I'm just, I love you, I do. I love you, but I'm not going to take what you think about the Lord and about the Word in the church very seriously at all. You really can't trust, and there's really nothing to say if you don't pray and if you don't get involved in it. Go to the altar. Get to that altar and pray. Pray through. You standing around in the back with your arms folded thinking you're spiritual, you are not. That's how it is. That's how it is. Do these things, you'll start getting a 100 from the preacher every single time. 100s, 100s, 100s. Amen. How about a 100 from the voice of the Spirit? This is the most profound, but probably the simplest of them all. I'll give you three things. Write it down. You hear a tongues and interpretation you like in church, write it down. I do it. I don't care what anybody says, how it looks. I get out a piece of paper, and as somebody is up there, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt go forth hither, you know. <laughs> a lot of them big interpreters, they like that King James language. <laughs> yeah, it, I write it down, and I keep it. I pray over it. I want it to happen in my life. Number two, I you need to assess it. You need to ponder it. You need to meditate on it. That's what you need to do. Really think it through. Think about it. A lot of it. Because chances are a word from God has a service meaning than it has a deeper meaning. Really trying to plug it into all areas of your life is how you do it. And then thirdly, most importantly, never forget about it. Pray about it constantly and bring it before the Lord. You do those things, you're going to start getting 100s. Thank you so much, everybody, for your loyal listenership. I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in the next 100 episodes of the Justin Gleason podcast. You're here to listen, and I am here to talk. God bless you. (laughs) 